All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk, live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. Welcome to today's show where we're doing nothing but re-watching the Ryan Nugent Hopkins fight for 30 minutes. Let's get into it with the lead. I feel like we couldn't even put it as one, three things in our three big things because the fight from Ryan Nugent Hopkins deserves its own segment to start the show. The Nuge was huge, sticking up for a teammate, beating the hell out of Justin Hall, his third career fight as well. And I like that. I like a guy who's not afraid to drop the mitts and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And I think it sends a bit of a message about the state of this team right now. Tyson Berry trade. Yes, they lost a key piece of their room, but this team can still come together. And boy, did they ever a 5-2 beatdown in many ways of the Toronto Maple Leafs last night as the Oilers start the month of March with a big dub. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day live from the Sports Closet Studio. Maybe you really liked what you saw from Matthias Ekholm last night. You want to get 14 Ekholm thrown on the back of an Oilers jersey. Our friends at the Sports Closet can absolutely help you out with that and all your sports apparel needs. The Oilers get a big win. We're live on the Nation Network. It's trade deadline eve. The Nation Network YouTube chat is alive and well. You all have trade questions. You have well, a bunch of different ideas for what the Oilers could do ahead of the trade deadline. Original Puzar says fourth career fight for Nuge. I don't know which one I'm missing because I have Ham Hughes, Monaghan, and the one last night, Justin Hall. Um, maybe I'll... Maybe this is a good chance to bring in my pal, Liam, who has a Dustin Penner jersey hung up behind him, as he always does. Liam, am I missing a tilt? Does HockeyFights.com have a fourth Nuge fight that I'm missing? 
I don't remember another one. I remember the Dan Ham Hughes one in Vancouver and then obviously the Monaghan one, but I do not recall the fourth one. But boy, oh boy, did Nugent Hopkins make it look like he fights every single night with the way he was giving yeah. those uppercuts to Justin Hall. It was amazing. I was out last night with my friends and the whole place, the whole bar just went absolutely nuts when Nugent Hopkins was chucking him. It was amazing to see. And it was super, super low key the way he just skated over to him too. It's very nonchalant. Yeah. Uh, people are saying, he, oh, he did. He fought Vinny Hinestroza back on February 11th, 2017. Um, he also has one fight on hockey fights from his WHL days back in 2011. So the wee lad Nugent Hopkins had one. Um, so yeah, you're right. Four fights. My bad. He fought Vinny Hinestroza of the Chicago Blackhawks. My favorite is still the Monaghan tilt, but regardless, I, I like it. Nuge is on a different level this year. He's scoring goals and he's not afraid to drop the mitts. Uh, let's recap last night's game. A big win against the Toronto Maple Leafs with our three big things brought to you by AMA Travel. They help make our nation vacations possible and they can do wonders for your summer travel plans as well. Whether you're staying in Alberta and seeing what this beautiful province has to offer or if you're going abroad, AMA Travel can hook you up and get you a good deal if you're an AMA member. Uh, let's start with the number one big thing, Liam. It's got to be Matias Ekholm. He picks up an apple. He almost scores on his first shift last night as well. I thought Matias Ekholm was exactly kind of as advertised. That is what we expected him to be. I thought he was great when uh, he was defending the zone entries for the Leafs. Our friend NHL Sid had a really cool clip about that on Twitter, about how well him and Bouchard were able to do that as a pairing. He played the fourth most minutes on the Oilers at five on five, just north of 17 minutes. The score was two nothing Oilers at five on five when he was on the ice. I just really liked everything he brought to the table and like the toughness, the defending, that was all there. But I even liked that one play. Granted, it didn't result in a goal, but he had that beautiful pass end to end all the way up to Leon Dreisaitl. Um, that showed his puck moving ability. And I think that's something that was kind of being slept on a little bit. What did you make of Ekholm's debut? Yeah, I think everything you just said was was completely right. He really was just kind of a, a good presence back there and had a good influence on the ice, it seemed like. like We haven't seen that kind of stuff from Bouchard, like the clip we saw from, from NHL Sid. So it was good to see he's already kind of put a positive impact on this team. That pass he made off, the, yeah. I think it was to dry saddle off the boards was just, yep. that was awesome. That was awesome to see, just to see him have that ability in there. And yeah, I really liked his post-game interview too, where he was just like, yeah, I just, this team's very good. And he also he also mentioned that he knew Leon Dreisaitl was the mayor of Smashville. Not quite in those terms, <laughs> but he did say it was nice to not get dominated by Dreisaitl and McDavid and be on their team. So I'm really excited for him to be here. The obvious, Obviously, the Oilers had to give up a lot and a fan favorite in Tyson Berry, but I think Ekholm is going to fill the void very nicely and, and help Oilers, the Oilers a lot in the playoffs. Uh, Kobe, Kobe Ellis says someone put out a missing persons report on Austin Matthews from last night. Uh, McKay says defensively, we played amazing other than the CC blunder, which didn't make a ton of sense if we're going to zero in on the defense here for a second. I think CC thought it was a delayed offside. And that's why he just kind of stood there. But regardless, I don't think that can be the excuse because you play until the whistle. And if a guy's coming to check you, you can't just look around and be like, oh, I thought it was offside. Like that can't happen if you're Cody Cease. I think Bag Milk made the joke of his controller disconnecting. Uh, Deskra says, Ekholm Hockey IQ actually insane. I would agree with that 100%. 
Um, TC, if Hyman would have scored on that at home to dry play, would have been absolute gold. McKay says he looked way better than Jake McCabe as well. Tyson says he was unreal considering it was his first game and he just got off the plane like four hours before puck drop. Yeah, I think Matias Ekholm was awesome. And you watch him last night and even understanding maybe that's not him at his best. And you really get an idea of why Ken Holland gave up the assets he did to bring him in. Matias Ekholm's debut, our number one big thing from last night's win. Number two, you cannot stop Connor McDavid. He will not stop five straight games with multiple goals. That's beyond video game level stuff. This is... I'm out of words, Liam. Like, all he does right now is score. He's going to win the Rocket Richard. He's going to win the Hart Trophy and the Art Ross and the Ted Lindsay. He just simply can't be stopped right now. Yeah, Connor McDavid scoring two goals right now feels inevitable, to be honest. Like, it's kind of nuts. It's kind of the run he's on. And he said in his his postgame, actually, that he'd been in a bit of a slump and he thought he was playing good hockey. And I'm assuming that's when he couldn't score. And four straight games, which is quite funny to consider yeah. that a slump. But yeah, just everything this guy touches now is turning to gold and he's, he's scored that, that slap shot against Columbus. This one, he's like following up a rebound to the net. Like he's just so dangerous in so many ways. And now adding that scoring touch too, he's just, he's a, been a fantastic season and awesome to watch. Yeah. And actually I really like the fact that you brought up the Columbus goal. Cause again, you're right. That was a slap shot. He scored off the rush. He's banging in rebounds. Like he's just doing it in so many different ways that makes him impossible to defend. And this goal here, love the play from Clem Costin to just knock it over to him, cut outside. And like, even that shows just how dangerous his release is, right? The fact that you can beat a guy basically five hole far side while you're coming in in full speed. He's so deceptive when he comes in on these rushes and you don't know where he's going to put the puck. So, I mean, last night was just another jaw-dropping night from Connor McDavid. He's now up to 52 goals in 62 games on the season. This guy could very well mess around and score 70 this year. Like 18 goals in the final 20 games is in no way out of the question because he has 10 in his last five. Exactly. That last sentence you said, like it seems nuts to say someone could score 18 goals in 20 games or whatever you said. So, but he scored 10 in his last five. Like this guy is absolutely on fire right now and he's doing it against really good teams too. Like Toronto's been very good defensively this season. The Boston Bruins are probably the best in the league. Like, and he's just scored four goals against the two of them. So he's just, he's just special. And I'm, I'm so happy we get to watch him every night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Honor McDavid usually gets better as the season goes on. Someone said it's McMarch right now. Uh, someone else said McMarch madness or something like that. Hell yeah, I'm all over it. Um, the fact he's got 118 points in 62 games and is just entering the part of the season where he statistically becomes his best is unbelievable. I got him at minus 110 to go over 121 and a half points this year. He's going to hit that by next week and he'll have... 18 games to spare. It's ridiculous. He's got eight game winners on the year. He's got three shorthanded goals on the season as well. 18 on the power play, 52 overall. Unbelievable season. Connor McDavid is our second big thing from last night. And for number three, we talked about the Nuge fight. And I think we have a clip of it at some point that will flash up and we'll see how Nuge handled business. But I want to also talk about the first part of this clip. And it's the unfortunate part of this clip. It's Kyler Yamamoto getting ran behind the net. Not a dirty hit, but I heard someone kind of describe it as a cheap hit. And I think it was too. It was a defenseman kind of taking advantage of a guy in a bit of a vulnerable spot late in the game. It was a blindside shot. I didn't love it from Justin Hall, even though, I mean, I guess you could say he didn't break any rules, but then I love that Ryan Nugent Hopkins steps up and defends his teammate. This is great stuff. And the Yamamoto injury is unfortunate. I love that these guys are sticking up for each other. Liam, I'm hearing, and Jason Greger has written about this at the site, that it's actually like really not good news for Kyler Yamamoto with all of this. Um, Greger in his piece today... <clears throat> Gregor in his piece today, sorry for that. Uh, he talks about how this might be a bit of a longer term issue. Gregor says Yamamoto has missed a month on two separate occasions already this season. The first was for a concussion when he was placed on LTIR in January. It was because of neck issues. His body was misaligned. Gregor says he had a similar issue that Sidney Crosby had over a decade ago. And for a long time, they thought it was concussion re- concussion related for Crosby turned out to be neck and vestibular. So, and Gregor says it impacted his balance as well. Okay, that right there, the fact that we're talking about that level of stuff here with Kyler Yamamoto, I I feel bad for the guy. I really do. Um, it sucks. And he's a smaller player and you worry about him just because of his size. And he's a, he's a pit bull, right? He loves getting into those dangerous areas. But then you can't avoid getting hit in the head when you're five, six, seven inches smaller than some of these big defensemen. I, for his own sake, I say shut him down. Like... I'm not even talk I'm not talking about just to be like an LTIR Kutra bring him back for the playoffs. There's a part of me and I know I don't under I don't know all the medical stuff and if he's fine I'd love to see him back, but there is a part of me that just says dude, your long-term health is really important. Sit for the season. Like don't even play in the playoffs, man. Like get yourself sorted out mm-hmm. and come back next year when you're 100%, but don't come back if you're even 99% because I'm worried about this stuff happening again. Yeah, and I completely agree. Just on the human side of it all, Tyler, like this, yeah. this is a young man. He's only 24 years old, and you know, this is the third time this season he's had this similar injury. And 
how many more times is it going to just keep occurring, right, until you fully figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be wise for Yamamoto just to take a step back. And even if it was for the rest of the regular season and maybe a few games in the playoffs too, until he fully feels it. But the Oilers just got to look at this from a different side of things and not just like, well, we need him because he's a good player for us in the sense of, they need to look at it and say, is this guy going to be able to play again if he gets another injury like this? Like, they need to be really mm-hmm. careful what they're doing here. And yeah, I just hope he hope he's going to be okay. Yeah, um, you certainly feel for uh, young Kyler Yamamoto. We're going to talk about some trade talk in a little bit. I, did, I do want to flash this one up. The longest multi-goal streaks as we get back to some of the positives from last night. Look at the names Connor McDavid is joining. Yeah, McGillney, Lemieux, but legends like Punch Broadbent. And of course, everyone actually does know Joe Malone. He is a legit legend of the game. I've never heard of Punch Broadbent, but he did this back in 1921. If you notice, that's a long time, over 100 years ago. So Connor McDavid has a chance if he can put together another multi-goal game to do something that hasn't been done in over a century. Like, that's unbelievable. The run this guy's on, the fact we get to watch him in an Oilers jersey, like Bag Milk and I, we do this a lot. And I know some of you might be rolling your eyes, but like appreciate the stuff this dude is putting together right now because this run is incredible. And it's a run that, you know, yeah, maybe we might see it again from Connor McDavid. I've always said from the start of his career and kind of his first, second seasons, I said there's going to be one year where Connor McDavid goes nuclear and does stuff that we cannot even comprehend. That this very well might be the year. When you look at his goal scoring coming through, the production we're seeing from him in every facet, we might be witnessing peak McDavid right now. Like this season might go down as his best when we look back at a hopefully 20-year career as an Oiler. I mean, 100%, but it's so funny to say that, isn't it? Because just how... The sky's the limit for this guy, and it's even further than that because every single year it seems like, oh, well, he's doing this crazy stuff, and then the next year comes around, he does something even crazier. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane now watching him. And the fact that he's in, like, can he get 70 conversation is is nuts. I don't know if that's as that's been talked about for a long time with any player, like maybe Matthews a little bit last season, but before that, like, Stamkos got to 60, and now the fact of talking about someone gets to 70 who's not even known to be like a sniper in the league. It, it, it's insane. But yeah, we got to, we got to appreciate it. Get up out your seats and chair every time McDavid scores, because he'll probably get you out of it. Even if you don't want to anyway. Yeah. Uh, players who have scored uh, 70 goals in a season, it's been done 14 times since 1970, um, but it has not been done since 92, 93, I believe, when both Solani and uh, McGillney did it for the Jets and Sabres. And Solani was a rookie that year as well. So McDavid, again, has a chance if he can stay hot to do something that hasn't been done in 30 years, if my math is correct. Don't ask me to do math live on the air. Um, It's a lot of fun. Original Puzar. We keep talking about peak McDavid, but then he outperforms the following season. I mean, why wouldn't we think he won't be even better next season? I think that's a really fair point as well. Like he very well could be better next season. It's crazy. Like you just don't know. You don't know what the ceiling is for this guy, but I'm just saying being in the moment, it's just hard to comprehend him doing this stuff right now. Guitar Maniac said that too. We say that every year about McDavid. And yeah, I mean, I get it. But it's just right now, it's hard to fathom. Let's say he ends the season with 95 assists and 70 goals. It's hard to fathom a season being better than that, right? Like maybe he gets to the 100 assist mark one year and that could potentially happen, I guess, which would be crazy. But 
if he ends with like 90 plus assists and 70 plus goals, I just, I'm not sure how you can improve on that. You know what a goal a game next year. That's ridiculous. There's a very good chance that everything combined, Connor McDavid could have 200 points in the regular season in the playoffs. Right. Is that right? hundred percent. Oh yeah, man. Like if he finishes this season with 160, like what did he have in the playoffs last year? It was 20. Was it 38? Was it? Um, I don't know. Maybe that's too high. It was in the 30s. No, it was 33 in 16 games. So yeah, you're right. Like there is a chance that like calendar or not calendar year, but full season, including playoffs, McDavid could very well hit the 200 point mark. It's crazy, man. It's (laughs) absolutely insane. Uh, The Oilers get a big five to... Yeah, it was get a big five to win over the Toronto Maple Leafs, a very tough opponent, a team that really loaded up ahead of the deadline. The crappy part is, unfortunately, they didn't get a lot of help on the out of town scoreboard as Vegas beat the Carolina Hurricanes by a score of three to two. So the way the standings look right now, the Oilers are four points back of the Golden Knights. Vegas has a game in hand. They're two points back of L.A., same number of games played. The Seattle Kraken are now two points back of the Oilers. They do have two games in hand, but the Kraken... They got, they're coming off a win in their most recent game, but they only have four wins in their last 10. They're starting to slide a little bit. I think the realistic goal for this Oilers team is to get home ice in round one of the playoffs. I think you're eyeing up that number two spot and passing the LA Kings, but it is still pretty crazy to look at this, Liam. And top spot in not just the division, the conference is not like that far out of reach for this team when you consider how tight everything is. Yeah, I mean, they've put themselves in a good spot and that that run there up until the All-Star break really helped them out. And now it's tough schedule right now, but the Oilers have shown the last couple of games they can get up for those big opponents. And yeah, it's, it is crazy just how tight the Western Conference is. And maybe this is a time too for Ken Holland these last couple of days before the deadline to go out and get a couple more pieces and help elevate this roster just a little bit more. We did almost 20 minutes on actual hockey. Let's start talking trade rumors again. That's what everybody wants. Everybody's itching in the chat. We talked about Kyler Yamamoto and we'll see. I mean, if it is an LTIR situation, Tyson says, can you guys at least acknowledge that Gregor's tweet, Rashog's words on his podcast contradict each other regarding the Yama situation? I didn't listen to Rashog's podcast. So I honestly do not know what he said, what he talked about. Um, But if there is a chance you can LTIR Yamamoto, right now the Oilers have about $1.2, $1.3 million they can spend. So if teams are willing to retain half, you can look at guys who are around that $2.6 million range. If Yamamoto is going to be LTIR for the rest of the regular season, which I don't think is fully out of the realm of possibilities, I think there is a lot more pressure on Ken Holland to go out and get a right winger. You need some more depth on that side. You traded Pugliarvi. If Yamamoto's health, if he can't be relied on to stay healthy, and again, I'm not saying that as a knock. I think we're all kind of on the same page. Like You feel terrible for the guy. But in terms of the business side of this thing, you need to go get some right wing depth. The like We talk about uh, Max Domi a lot. Bag Milk keeps making the joke. Right now, we have minimum Domi. We want maximum Domi. Uh, he's having a great year in Chicago. He could help you out down the middle. The crappy part about this is he shoots left. If he shot right, he'd be a better fit. Maybe the Oilers think he's one of those guys that can be moved over. Maybe they'd be comfortable flipping Warren Fogle over to his right side, where I think he had a run this year. He played on the right side and scored. Um, so maybe you're comfortable with flipping pieces around when you go 11 and seven. I know things get jumbled up regardless. Uh, so I, I like Domi. 
I still think though, if you get Domi, you need to look at someone who shoots right. But the problem is there's just not a lot of options. Bison Kingstan says Domi is awful. I don't agree with that at all. The guy has 18 goals in 60 games on a crappy Blackhawks team. That guy scored big goals for the Carolina Hurricanes last year in the playoffs. And there's a legitimate interest in him. He's a guy who can be a pain in the ass during a playoff series as well. I don't know why you wouldn't look at Max Domi ahead of the, ahead of the deadline. Liam, I know you love him. Yeah, I mean, I just like what he brings to the game outside of scoring goals, and he's he's not too far away from being a point-per-game player this season. And I know he probably gets a little extra opportunity on the Chicago Blackhawks because they're not very good mm-hmm. and you have a lot of skilled players. But saying that, he's a player with confidence right now, and he could slide into this Oilers team and bring that confidence again. He's got that bit of toughness about him obviously his dad had that toughness his entire career so i really like what max domi could bring to this team i know he's a left shot and that isn't ideal but maybe you can move hyman over to the other side and then domi can play on the left wing in your top six perhaps he's also played center this season too for chicago and on the left wing Mm -hmm. so i like what he can bring to the team i and i mean they there was reports today that he would only cost a second round pick and it would be for a few years from now so maybe like a 2025, 2026 pick. I feel like it's a really good value for a guy you could possibly even get at 50% retained at 1.5. And then if Yamamoto does go on LTIR, there's still room to go out and get more players, potentially even a Taylor Radish from Chicago too. Taylor Radish, you could do without Yamo going on LTIR. Because you have to remember, like on, on Cap Friendly, who we're partnering up with ahead of the trade deadline tomorrow, they have 450K like enlisted cap space. But that's with a 21-man roster. So if you were to bring in a guy like Max Domi, he would be taking Devin Shore. Sorry, Liam. He'd be taking his roster spot. And Devin Shore makes $850,000 against the cap. So you would have $1.3 million at that point. Not quite enough to squeeze in a guy like Max Domi. Maybe the Oilers are comfortable running with an 18-man roster on most days going forward. But again, Yamo on LTIR could really change the look of that whole thing. Bison King stands in here saying that he's terrible and he's got what, I mean, I think he said he's Pooley doesn't have, well, one, he's scoring way more than Pooley He has 18 and eight of them are on the power play. So that means 10 of them have to be at even strength, unless I'm totally missing something. He doesn't have a shorthanded goal this season. Pooley has five goals. So no, Domi has actually scored twice as many even strength goals as Yesa Pooley And he also has 49 points on the season. That is really damn good. Uh, Max Domi is a guy who gets better as the games go on. I don't see why you wouldn't why you wouldn't be going in for this guy. And Liam, you mentioned the reported price. That was Pierre Lebrun who sent out a tweet and said it's similar. The ask is similar to what the Avs gave up for a guy like Lars Eller. Lars Eller was moved yesterday for a second round pick. And I believe 2026 is what Colorado gave up in that deal. I'm just double checking it. Yeah, it was a second in 2025, sorry. And the Caps retained money there, a million bucks against the cap. So right there, that's your framework for a Domi deal. Maybe like... The tough part with getting a third team involved is that his cash is actually a little significant. Um, I think the team taking it on, it'd be a couple hundred thousand bucks. So you might have to pay a bit to get a third team. But Domi is a guy who's absolutely on the table if the Yamamoto injury is serious. Uh, Jason says Domi's an obvious upgrade to pool party. Yeah, again, he's not a right shot, so he doesn't fit that mold perfectly. I still think they need to add someone who can play the right side. Nick Bukestad is a righty. He's six foot six. He's scoring okay this year, but I don't view Nick B. I think he's soft. I don't think he's a like a tough, hard-nosed 6'6", which is why I'd be 
a little bit worried about him. Brainwash says Domi's overrated as heck, but you're not giving up a first round pick for Max Domi. The Bruins got, gave up a first round pick and a fourth to get Bertuzzi, who has four goals this year. I know he's been banged up, but like Bertuzzi, I think has broken both his hands this year. So I don't know. I wouldn't have wanted the Oilers to pay this price for Bertuzzi because you're paying a premium rental cost for a guy who I just don't view as a premium rental. And I know the the wings kept 2 million bucks in this, so you would have had to pay a bit more for that. But you're not giving up a first-round pick for Max Domi. You're giving up a second-round pick that's a few years down the line. Guitar Maniacs has hashtag all in 2023. Hell yeah. You're all in for 2023. The West is wide open. I don't think... I think there's Edmonton and there's Colorado and everyone else in the West doesn't really move the needle for me. Kale says, go get Radish and Domi. Hell yeah, go get them both. Why not? Radish is dirt cheap and he's under contract for next year. And again, if you're worried about the health of Yamamoto and hey, guess what? Taylor Radish is a right winger. So why not? I would give up two second round picks for those two just because you'd have Radish for next season as well. Is there any defenseman on Chicago that could possibly be targets for the Oilers? I know Jake McCabe was there, but is there anybody else? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Not really. Like, there is a concern. Frank talked about this today on the DFO rundown that, like, the Hawks are kind of sitting there going, uh, we do need players. Like, we need guys who can play in the lineup this year because uh, they don't want to recall a bunch of guys from the American League who aren't ready and put them onto a losing team. Uh, I don't see anyone on that blue line. Seth Jones, Connor Murphy, Caleb Jones, Ian Mitchell, Jared Tenorti. I think they've had interest in Tenorti in the past um, when he was with the Rangers, I believe, hearing about that. Um, but I don't want Jared Tenorti. You can just play Marcus Niemelainen. Isaac Phillips is young. They're not going to move him. Andreas Englund, I've never heard of. So, yeah, I, I don't see a D-man there. If you're looking for two, I think it's Domi and Radish. Yeah, I think those are both really good options. And if they want to play it back, maybe that's something new. There's a left to figure out when it happens maybe there's one of those players that can kind of bounce between the nhl and ahl that isn't too much of an impact that can go Mm -hmm. play there just to send some contracts to yeah austin says they just recalled lucas reichel um so maybe that's a sign that they're getting ready to subtract a forward or maybe they're just going to be doing the whole like scratching domey thing for trade related reasons and whatever so they need an extra body that might explain the lucas reichel uh call up in chicago not necessarily that anything's imminent but granted we are now 24 hours and 33 minutes away from the trade deadline. So if it's not imminent, it's not happening kind of thing. Right. And uh, Frank's brought up the point as well that Domi didn't get traded until 10 minutes before the deadline last year. So maybe it's one of those situations where they hold on to him and kind of see what, see what the last second offers are. Uh, Troy says Verana or bust. I like Verana. Um, I think he can score a ton. I know he can score a ton. His goals per 60 when he's in the lineup are unreal. The Red Wings are healthy scratching him because Derek Lalonde doesn't want to play him, not trade-related reasons. He's legit getting healthy scratched. If you can get Chicago or Detroit to keep half, he's he's a left shot. Like if Verana shot right, man, I'd be all over it. Detroit's apparently going to buy him out this offseason. So if they're going to buy him out, they're going to take two years of dead cap space with no one on their roster. If they trade him and just retain money, then they don't have that second year of dead money, right? Because if they buy him out, I think it's a $1.9 million cap hit and like a 1.8 the year after that. If they just keep half, it's one year at 2.6. I'm sure they'd much rather take the one year at 2.6. So if Yamamoto's on LTIR, I think Varane is a really interesting target to give you some extra scoring punch. He doesn't exactly do the whole 
make you tougher to play against in your bottom six, which I think is a priority for Ken Holland. Um, yeah, I, I think he could be like, give me Domi and Verana. If the cost is like a second and a third round pick to get both of those guys and Verana's retained at 50%, why not? They, they would make you better. 100%. I, I do think it is important the others do go and get another defenseman, though, to be honest. I'm not sure Vincent Deharnay can be in the lineup every single night. So I think another right-handed shot there is something they need to go and find. I just quite frankly don't know where they're going to get it at the moment. I feel like maybe we can just, like Ken Holland, just kind of find something like a Derek Brassard in a way where it's just like, oh, I was not expecting you to go and acquire that guy to kind of help them a yeah. little bit on the blue line, just to get more depth. You need depth in the playoffs. I like Trevor Van Riemsdyk in Washington, 950K. He's got some experience. He's 31 years old, pending UFA. The Caps have retained money on two, so they could retain money on a third. Neither of those retentions linger into next season, so they could definitely retain on TVR and bring him below league minimum for the Oilers. And actually, you know what would be interesting, Liam? And I believe I'm reading this right from a cap perspective, but DeArnay is 750K, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you were to acquire TVR at half, he's 475 that and send down DeHarnay, you would free up 300K, which means you could then afford Max Domi at 50% retained, right? It gives you a little bit more wiggle room if TVR is 475 compared to, you know, whether it's Broberg or DeHarnay that goes down in the process. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it, isn't it? Because I think even if you, you don't even need to send, you can send. Dehane down, but he realistically doesn't even have to leave the city. He could just be the guy that's up here, right? Like, I don't think he needs to go down to yeah. Bakersfield to prove himself. And I mean, if the Oilers start running with a 20 man roster again, you get in an emergency call up situation, then VD's ready yeah. to go. Someone asked if Scott Lawton could be a potential target in Philly. Haven't heard a lot about his availability. He's got three more years at 3 million bucks. I like him as like a bottom six kind of centerman. I think he'd be a really good third line center. He shoots left though. So worth noting, the Oilers have a lot of left shots. I'm not, I think the Flyers would want a lot for him just because, I mean, he's a guy who probably makes you better in a playoff run. Um, Yeah, I don't know if that's a fit. Someone asked about Provorov. No, the Oilers don't have the money to go out and get Provorov. And I have no interest in Ivan Provorov being an Oiler, if I'm being honest. Um, Someone asked about Susie. Apparently, they want a first-round pick for Susie. I'm not giving up a first-round pick for Susie. You gave up one for Ekholm. I don't want to spend another first on... uh, I don't want to spend another first on another D-man. I think you can make an impactful ad by giving up less than that right now, just looking at the D core. Um, Zeph said, Gregor suggested buying low on a double retained Klingberg. It was interesting. Bad year, bad team. That's a lot of money. Again, you're asking a third party to take. Frank was like, maybe it's a third and a fourth round pick is all it costs. As a Barry replacement, because again, we've made the joke, he's just tall Tyson Barry. Um, You could, but the Oilers don't have a fourth in either of the next two drafts. I don't know. I I don't like Klingberg. I, he's having a really bad year and I don't want, I'm not super into like a reclamation project. Patrick Casper says JVR. The issue with JVR, in my opinion, again, is that he shoots left. I don't love that. If JVR was a right shot, then giddy up, sign me up for him. That's another one though, that probably hinges on the health of Yamamoto where like, yeah, and I know JVR can play the right side as well, but he does shoot left, which is the point I was making. 7 million bucks. If Yamamoto is indeed going on LTIR, 
Flyers could retain some of that and boom, you're good to go. You'd give up a pick for him. He's one of the few names left on Frank in Frank Saravalli's top 10. It's him, Henrique, and Susie in that group. And I think there's one other. Kevin Hayes is in the top five as well. So there's four names in his top 10 that are still available. Um, JVR is the one in there that's interesting. But again, it hinges on Yamamoto. I like JVR, but you can't afford him unless you have Yamamoto on LTIR. So I don't know. I think the um, the Klingberg rumors, I think that's something the Oilers will look at more in the summer rather than now. If hypothetically you can get John Klingberg on a very team-friendly deal after the season mm-hmm. he's had, similar to kind of what Tyson Berry was, no, where you give him a one-year deal, but like, hey, you can prove yourself a little bit. You can run the power play or whatever. Like You've got chances to put points up here. I think Klingberg could be an option then. A lot of people are talking about Tom Wilson, Tyler. Apparently, there's been some okay. rumors that he's now available. Like, do you have you heard right? these? I haven't seen these ones before. Recently, I guess. I think people are just jumping to that because the caps are selling. Right? He has one more year on a deal that carries a cap hit of five point one six. I'm not sure if you would get the caps to retain any money on that just because he has an extra year. And the thing you have to remember: the Capitals aren't going into a rebuild. They are going to try stay competitive. They just went out and gave up a first round pick for Rasmus Sandin because they want to get pieces that can contribute next year. Part of that deal was flipping Gustafson, a pending UFA. I think Washington's sell-off is probably limited to their pending UFAs. Connor Sherry could go out the door. Um, I, Frank thinks they might try to keep Craig Smith. They just re-signed Nick Jensen. Like if you were going into an absolute teardown, you don't give Nick Jensen a three-year deal. I think they're looking to move their UFAs, which is why I mentioned Trevor Van Riemsdyk. I don't think they move Tom Wilson unless the package just absolutely blows them away. I, I don't think it's a realistic thing. And I haven't seen, maybe people can let me know, like has an insider given us anything on Wilson or are we just looking at the pending UFAs and all that or the guys on Washington saying, well, they're probably going to sell off. He does have seven Guitar goals in 14 Maniacs. games this year. Guitar Maniac said he was on the hunt for the uh, for the real sauce for us. He said he saw it out there. So we'll see if he gets back to us on it. But I mean, who wouldn't want Tom Wilson, right? Like, I think, I think one thing I've learned about the Oilers is they kind of play at their best when they play a tougher style of hockey in a way. Like, obviously their attack is overwhelming for some teams, but when they're very aggressive and kind of going at the other team and throwing hits, I feel like that's at their best. And, I'm sure Ken Holland has seen that and same with Jay Woodcroft, which is kind of why they brought in an Eckholm over maybe a Chikrim, for example. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what they're looking at more. This this deadline is some just add, I think wrote in his piece yesterday, just something with a little bit different of a flavor than what they don't have right now. I like Anthony Duclair is an interesting name. I like him as a player. He's listed as a left wing right winger, but he's a left shot. So again, not a perfect fit because that. Keep your questions coming in the chat. We are live on the Nation Network YouTube. Big shout out to our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant and their mobile service center. Tomorrow is another Sherwood Ford Giant game day edition, but it's deadline day. So again, for the people watching, we are not going to be doing this show live at Noon Mountain like we have. We're doing the DFO show on the Daily Face Off YouTube. So make sure you go subscribe to that YouTube channel so you get the alert. 10 a.m. Mountain until 2 p.m. Mountain, which is an hour after the deadline. I'm hosting. Frank's going to be there in his little insider box. So you'll get to watch him work his phones throughout the day. Four hours, no commercials, no geo blocking. You can just watch it on YouTube like you do this show. Mike McKenna, Nick Alberga, Jay Rosehill, Matt Larkin, Pete Blackburn from Bali Sports. Uh, they're all going to be around. It's going to be a really fun four hours. So uh, tune into the DFO show. The way if you're looking for Oilers specific content from us tomorrow, 
We're going to wrap up DFO at two o'clock mountain. We're going to do an Oilers Nation radio because it is Friday and we do that. So we'll do an hour long Oilers Nation radio. We'll release that. And then I think what we're going to do for this show is we're going to go live later in the night at some point. I'll let you know. I'll tweet out today what the final plan is. But what time is puck drop between the Jets and Oilers tomorrow? Eight o'clock, I think it is. Oh, oh, it's a seven. Gavin, the intern, chimed in. It's at seven. Uh, So I don't know. Maybe we'll go live at like five tomorrow, like at the end of the day. I will go live at some point. I just don't know when. Deadline day is going to be crazy. So um, I don't want to commit to anything just quite yet. Rusty says, I think I might skip class tomorrow to sit around and listen to trade deadline coverage. Hopefully some big things happen. Um, There's not a ton left on the market. I asked Frank, I said more or less than 15 deals on deadline day. And he said more. So we'll have something to talk about. And the Oilers are going to do something. They need to get a forward at some point here. And I know we've been speculating with the Yamamoto thing. Regardless, if you're Ken Holland, you have 1.25, 1.3000000-ish to spend. You use it. Why would you not use that? You you can't take it with you. It doesn't roll over into the offseason. That cap space is gone. So even if it is like a uh, a fourth round or fifth round pick for Nick Bukestad, I think you go make that deal. Someone said Jordan Greenway. He is not good. So no, um, I wouldn't touch Jordan Greenway. Uh, Jonathan Quick. We can talk about that. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets have flipped him. He's going to the Vegas Golden Knights, which I find very interesting. Vegas is dealing with the injury of uh, Logan Thompson right now. Laurent Bressois, I believe, is on IR as well. So that means they basically just have Aiden Hill. They're getting Jonathan Quick. He's not good. Liam, you had some numbers on that, right? Yeah, let me just pull him up here. But he has been brutal this season for the LA Kings. And... From just a player's standpoint, I can understand why they wanted to get rid of that contract. Everything else, obviously, is factored in. But the last time Jonathan Quick had a save percentage of a 900 in a start was December 23rd. Before that, it was November 27th. He has had a tough, tough goal this season. And yes. I, I, for one, am quite happy the Vegas Golden Knights went and acquired him, to be honest. I don't think he makes them any better. I think he's probably their fourth best goal this season beside, behind Brassois, Hill, and Logan Thompson. I know Thompson's injured, probably. so that is what it is. But come on. Surely there was somebody else out there that could have helped you a little bit more. Or just keep Brassois. <laughs> Go get Nedeljkovic off waivers. Yeah, there was a lot of options out there they could have had. And I am, I'm not surprised Vegas got quick because that's just what they do. He's got that name value, obviously. Maybe it's a bit of an FU to the Kings as well. but. I think if they face each other in the playoffs, it'll be the Kings that would be the ones thanking Vegas for acquiring him, no? Yeah, I just, you're right. It's like a revenge narrative thing. I think they want to like stick it to the Kings somehow. They think Quick's going to be, and he probably will be very motivated to do well, but motivation and execution are two very different things here. Like, it's not like Jonathan Quick wasn't trying hard and that's why his numbers have declined and he's been bad this year. He's lost a step. Mike McKenna had a good joke on one of his shows where he was like, if there was a stat for time spent on your ass per 60, Jonathan Quick would be right up there at the top because he's just been flopping around and he's not the same goalie he used to be. So, yeah. Uh, Don asks about Boone Jenner. I like Boone Jenner. 
I'm, I think it'll cost you a lot to get them. And I don't know if the juice is necessarily worth the squeeze there. Some people talking about if the Oilers could trade Campbell because, you know, oh, the quick got moved. Campbell's got four more years at 5 million. They're not moving Campbell. It's not a realistic thing. Um, yeah. How about the Vegas or sorry, the Arizona Coyotes? Can we just, can we dig into this for a second? It's embarrassing, right? We're all on the same page there. Like, how can you even, I don't know. Bill Armstrong is like the kid at recess who's just cheating and laughing about it. Like, or like doing the whole, like, I'm not breaking any rules. I'm not cheating thing. But like, it's embarrassing, man. 50 some percent of their payroll is dead money that they aren't even really paying. It's either insurance or it's like a $7 million cap it. That's a million dollars of, of real money. There's no reason. There's no defense for what they're doing. They're gaming the system. It's embarrassing that the NHL does this. The Coyotes have $28.2 million on injured reserve right now. $28.2 million on IR. Weber, Ladd, Little, Voracek, Brown. These guys have term. It's going to be this way for the next while. They have $3.6 million in dead cap space. So uh, this is from Cap Friendly. A sum of $31.8 million is dead cap space. That's 42% of their salary cap spendings is on dead cap space. That's brutal. That is absolutely brutal. Yeah. Anything? Yeah. I mean, eventually it's just like, okay, I get it for a couple of guys to keep yourself up on the cap and everything you're rebuilding. Sure. Like you want those rookies to come in and play and get the experience. But like you said, like these aren't just deals that have like one year left. Like some of these have got a few more years and, Eventually, it's just like, when are you going to start to try and turn this around? You're currently playing in a college arena. You don't even own your yeah. own arena. I get all that. You've been the joke of the NHL for years now. I, and I get it for this year. Like, it's a very good draft class. You want to get the picks you can get and see if you can get Bedard or whoever they get at the top, right? But come on. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like you've got to turn it around and try and become an NHL franchise at some point. And it's quite embarrassing from an NHL perspective, too, when... Batman sends out that uh, thing the other day where he's like, you can't apply a play, acquire players on LTIR, but Arizona can just acquire everyone that's retired for the last five years. Like, yeah, come on. Oh man. Yeah. They, Tyler Mulek pointed it out. They have 21 point 23 million dollars already committed in dead cap space. And I don't mean this as a slight on like the Arizona market, although it's not been going well there, but it's just not being executed. Right? Like I understand people are calling it the pet project for Bettman. You should be in Phoenix. That's the fourth largest TV market or something in the United States. The Phoenix suns do very well. It's a good sports town. They have the waste management open there. The Cardinals always sell well. There's, You should be able to execute this. The problems before is that Glendale, the Glendale Arena is in a terrible spot. They're back in Tempe now, which is where they should be, but it's a 5,000-seat barn that comes with a whole laundry list of issues we don't need to get into. They need to get a new arena. They need to get their own space in Tempe where people can actually make it to the game. It's just going to take a long time for that to happen. And this joke of a situation isn't going to get any better. And the NHL is just fine with it. Again, I, I like that point you made. The, Gary Bettman comes out and is like, hey, no, no bullshit around acquiring injured players, all right? And meanwhile, you have five guys or four guys who are never going to play again sitting on your IR and you keep adding more and more of it. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah. 
didn't need that to take that hard of a turn. Some people asking if the Predators are potentially going to flip Tyson Berry. I could maybe see that. Potentially. How about if we're talking about the Yotes and being embarrassing, how about waiting 18 months to trade Jacob Chikrin and getting that from the Ottawa Senators? Like, yee. You wanted how many? You wanted, wasn't the original ask three assets that are all equivalent to a first round pick? You get one. The second round pick can become a first, but only if the Senators make the final four this year, they're probably not making the playoffs. That's a bad return. Yeah, it was it was underwhelming. You don't even you don't even get a good prospect in return either. Like if there was a no. top prospect in this, like similar to how the Oilers traded Reed Schaefer, I think that's a not a bad deal of first essentially two first two seconds. Like that's pretty good. But to come away with that and it's just like ah, you've waited so long to trade this guy, you've put him through the ringer and not even playing in the last three weeks, and then all it took was a first round pick and a couple of others, like ugh. Feels underwhelming, but from Ottawa's perspective, I mean, their blue line now looks legit with, what is it, Thomas Shabbat, Jake Sanderson, Zub, and now Chikrin. Yep. Maybe they got to learn to defend a little bit better, but you can just fill the other two spots with that. But on paper, it looks good, and the future is very bright in Ottawa with also Brady Kachuk and, and Josh Norris and Tim Zutzler as well. Stutzler. Yeah, and they have good prospects still coming in Jacob Bernard Docker and Lassie Thompson, who are both right defensemen too. So uh, it looks really, really good in Ottawa. I love that deal. And the other thing too is Jacob Chikrin wanted to be there. I know some people made the joke that like, oh, he didn't even get to go to a contender, but I had no idea this was even a thing. His grandpa lives in Ottawa. His sister lives in Ottawa and he spends a chunk of his summers there as well. Like he actually is probably thrilled to be going to the senators. I had no idea about all those connections, uh, but I like the work Pierre Dorian's doing in, in Ottawa. It's great. And Tyler Melix has a great core going forward. Yeah. Like Chikrin's under contract. He's going to be there. Giroux gives you that veteran leader. Maybe they end up having to get rid of Debrinket this summer because they can't afford it, but it's a really nice group group. They got there. Yeah. I mean, it's good. I'm glad that Chikrin has found that home then for, with all that stuff he just said attached to it already because he's he's a really good player and the best way to showcase this league is having the best players play and if he's in a Canadian market then great I think it's just going to boost his value and show how good he actually is I, I'm quite excited to actually see him in some relevant hockey games and I do hope the Sens make the playoffs just so we can kind of see what he can do yep. in the postseason too um, I need to pass along a birthday message that I had because Sarah DM'd me and uh, asked if I could give a birthday shout out to her girlfriend, Kimberly. And I've met the both of them at like three or four different nation events. So I know your birthday was yesterday, but happy birthday to Kimberly, who I know listens to the show. Um, all right, let's get into our Betway wrap for today, Liam. What did I pick yesterday? Oh, I did. Ah, Matthews and McDavid to get a purple point in the hit. Let's go. I, I didn't know his money line, so that was nice, too. Did so, Jay win I his, too? Did Jay we all win? Jay won because he had to his money line in two points from McDavid. So it was a good day. The first time all three of us have won, I think. Yep. So good for us. Good for us. But today, Aaron, flash it up. I went to Patrick Kane getting a goal in his Rangers. Like, come on. You got to do it. Plus 162 on that team. Ooh, that feels like a good one. Blues and Sharks are two of the worst teams in the NHL right now based off like just recent form. But I think the Blues are better than the Sharks and together make even money. I know it's on the road. Like the Blues still have some good players like Robert Thomas, Mm -hmm. Jordan Cairo and the rest of the gang there. So Sharks have Eric Carlson and that's about it. So I'm just going to go with the Blues on the money line to win and Patrick Kane to score his first goal in the Big Apple. 
I am distracted because I'm going to bet on Patrick Kane to score right now. He's going to do it. It's showtime, man. It's showtime on Broadway. He's going to do it. They didn't, he didn't debut yesterday because they wanted him to, de- to debut at home tonight. Hell yeah. You know he's scoring. Oh, yeah. Maybe Chikrin. Chikrin to find the back of the net plus 150. No, I'm going. It's, uh, it is a, Patrick Kane Knight. There you go. I'm Wait, just locking Jason Chikrin is plus 150 to score? Yeah. And Patrick Kane wrong. is plus 162? Did I read that wrong? I just closed the window. Let me refire it back up. <laughs> that seems that would nuts. be a little weird, hey? Yeah, that would be quite something there. But I mean, hey, if that's the odds, even more, more of a reason to put your money on Patrick <laughs> Kane to snap home a goal tonight. Where is he? Chikrin, Chikrin, Chikrin. Oh, no, I don't even see him. I don't know what I saw. Anyway, shout out to Betway, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Um, Sean says he put 30 bucks on the Oilers to win the cup at 15 to 1. Tyler Mulek says Kane is a lock. Um, Yes, and it's Patty's Day in New York as Patrick Kane will make his debut. It is deadline day tomorrow. Again, we won't be doing this show. You'll want to head to Daily Face Off on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. It's going to be a four-hour live show, commercial-free. I'll be sitting right here in this spot hosting that show tomorrow. I am very excited to get going on that. Very excited to see what the Edmonton Oilers can do. We'll break it all down at some point tomorrow afternoon with Oilers Nation Radio. And yes, we will do a live stream at some point tomorrow. So make sure you have the notifications on so you see when we go live. Keep it locked on Twitter as well. Shout out to Betway, Sports Closet, Sherwood Ford, Star Mechanical, and AMA Travel, and to all you guys who just hammered the chat this week. That was awesome. This was awesome. We'll be back. Regular scheduled programming Saturday for the game against the Winnipeg Jets. We'll be going live at noon on Saturday. So I hope you all tune in. We'll break down the trade deadline, have all that fun stuff. 10 a.m. tomorrow, Daily Face Off YouTube. I will see you all there. Enjoy your Thursday night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.